the aroma. It arrived lightly, like a whisper or a passing thought, just perceptible enough to turn one's head. I imagined myself being lifted by my nose and floating in a dreamlike state on an invisible cloud of sweetness. I searched for its source through the gray-blue wall of people who swayed in synchronized rhythm, blocking my view. The subway car was crowded with afternoon travelers, many of them students riding the city equivalent of a school bus. Despite the packed car, it was strangely quiet, thanks to the personal force fields generated by iPods, tablets, and cell phones. Glancing around, I noticed that almost every head was bowed as people stared into their devices, our modern-day version of prayer. When the doors opened at the next station, a load of people got out, finally affording me a view across the aisle. It was then that I spotted a small boy about five years old. He was sitting with legs dangling and feet just shy of being able to reach the floor, crossed comfortably at the ankles. His hands were folded loosely in his lap. Every muscle looked relaxed. Because he was not looking at me, I was able to study him quietly and without apology. His beautiful round face, the color of a creamy latte, appeared neither excited nor disinterested. In fact, his expression defied easy categorizing, which was part of what I found so intriguing. The best I could come up with was that it resonated with an oddly patient trust. He was a miniature Buddha, living totally in the moment. Sitting next to him was a teenage girl. Too young to be his mother, she must have been his sister, or so I assumed. Her expression was similar to that of the boys, still without being particularly happy or sad. At first glance, one could mistake it for boredom, but boredom does not captivate. It was as if the two of them were on the train utterly alone, as if there were no stops, no stations, and nowhere to be or to go. In the girl's hands was a large orange, an orb of color amid the drab backdrop. Each puncture of her nails into its skin sent a ripple of freshness through the train car, the kind that makes your mouth water, the kind that makes you long for a taste. I noticed other passengers drawing deep, secret breaths, as if surreptitiously trying to sneak off with some of it but the subtle expansion of their nostrils gave them away. It was the smell of summer, of life. It was a reminder of a world beyond technology and concrete. A smile crept across my face before I could reel it back in. My eyes drifted from face to face, from the inhaling bliss of the passengers to the stillness of the children, until it came to rest on the hands of the young girl. Her fingers were long and slender and lithe. Like the legs of a spider, they moved with delicate agility, steadily working their way around the orange. They were the type of hands that poets write about or painters try to capture. Hands that should be held gently, like a five-petal flower. Once the thick outer peel had been removed, the girl placed it carefully on a napkin in her lap. Naturally, I thought that the dance was concluding, that the spell would be broken, the orange eaten, 
and the hands that moved so beautifully around it would lose their magic, the way things do when the clock strikes twelve. The subway car would no longer be Cinderella's fragrant carriage. It would be an ordinary pumpkin, and the girl would be just another teenager heading home after school with her little brother in tow. To my surprise, however, the story was just beginning. Instead of splitting the orange open and popping a section into her mouth, she began the tedious job of removing all the remaining white strands from the orange. All of them. I watched in awe as her tapered fingers methodically went about their work. The orange was a small, fragile world in her hands. She was completely focused, holding it, turning it, and gently removing the bits of debris left by the peel. With each passing moment, its perfection.